in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris, and I'm the Uncle Fatso to your Uncle Stinky, and that I hope we get to see some friendly ghosts today, Paul. That is true, Chris, because as our more astute listeners may have noticed we have now entered the era of spooktober for october and we have an extra special one today chris it is a ghost to ghost episode with our boy art bell from 2007 the only person who properly has done ghost to ghost in the history of ghost to ghost yes yes he does it like a champ chris he does indeed and the people show out for art. They have to, because he's. Man, he's we heard man. some. We heard some creepy stories at ninety five, dude. Yeah, last season. Yeah, I, mean, I, I did jump up twelve years, yeah. but I know there's one story on this in particular that kind of spooked me that I'm excited to play. So oh, we'll hear that at the end. I told you, friendly ghost, dude. I said it right in the intro. We're gonna get a couple friendly ghosts. Okay, good. All right, and then we're going to get demon spirits. Demon spirits. Okay. All right. As long as I get a little feel good, you can take me into the the deep regions of hell. Yeah, we'll 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 get there. Don't worry. But we'll start light. I am gonna. Perfect. It's a frog and water. You know. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Just <laughs> slowly boil that pot, baby. Come on. But before we get to 2007's Ghost to Ghost, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend, Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim Tim! Today's article, thieves return stolen money after witch doctor unleashes swarm of bees until they returned the pilfered cash. Paul, a Kenyan witch doctor may actually have some direct connection to the underworld. So I'm going to give him a pretty strong pass at this moment. This may be an actual witch doctor. I fully believe it. I do a Tanzanian witch and yeah. uh, I, I fully believed that she could turn me into a zombie. Did she kill any albino people, Paul? No, no, but it was said that she turned people into zombies to make them work on her avocado farm. That was the rumor in the village. <laughs> that would be the best zombie like <laughs> labor though you know all the free avocados you can eat that sounds great for a millennial yeah honestly and her i did eat her avocados and they were delicious so. they were the best avocados I've i don't eaten. know she i mean if if i was a zombie working the fields i was doing good work because they were great they were amazing <laughs> avocados she probably does, like, some blood sacrifice or something to get, like, the fertility of the land a little bit higher, right? I, I don't know exactly what she did, but I was told that um, if she wanted to, she could make you work her fields at night so you'd wake up really tired, and it's because you were out in her avocado fields. And that you would was have like, no idea? And oh you wouldn't remember. you just wake up exhausted. The of magic in our everyday life, dude. We need For more real. of it. We need so much more of it. Because that is all so awesome, I can't stand it. <laughs> That's all true, too. I'm not making any of that up. According to a local media report, 
The strange case began last week as Aisha Salome was riding a bus to the town of Kitangela with the intention of starting a new business in the community. With that goal in mind, she carried $675 with her to serve as capital for the company. Oh, no, dude. Carrying yeah. cash in Kenya can be a dangerous occupation. Yeah, dude, you got to you got to put that in a bank and it transferred over. They they have like cool things with the cell phones where the cell phones can carry money now. So you right. got to do something like that, man. You can't yeah. have the cash on you. Well, that was a huge that was a huge thing in the beginning or like of the tech revolution in Africa mm-hmm. is that they just completely sidestepped landlines. Yeah, yeah. Like they went straight into cell phone world. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that um, even communities that don't have um, like electric uh, electrical lines running, they have solar panels. So right. they have like one solar panel on their house to charge their phone because everyone has one of those kind of like cheap burner cell phones. Yeah, right. Yeah, the the so. Huawei phones from China. Yeah, they're mostly a lot of them are from China. Actually. No, they're all Huawei phones, yeah. dude. I mean, it's like seventy percent. Like they have an absolute monopoly of the whole entire continent. They crank them out, baby. Alas, during the ride, she was approached by a pair of women who somehow managed to separate her from her money, which she did not realize until after she got off the bus. That's sad. That is a bummer. yeah, dude. Women robbers too. Yeah, they get you, man. Yeah, dude. Be careful in Kenya. Although she promptly reported the theft to local police, the aspiring small business owner apparently felt that she could not wait for the cops to crack the case and, as such, turned to an area witch doctor for help. Yes, dude. Listen, the police ain't going to help you in Kenya. <laughs> These ladies probably paid them off. You got to go to the spiritual realm for retribution. Honestly, I don't mind this. If I had yeah. a local witch doctor, I would definitely go to him with problems. I'm going to him for everything, dude. I had to go to the doctor the other day. I'm stopping by the witch doctor first before I ever step into a Western medicine practitioner. If someone cuts me off in traffic, I'd be going to the witch doctor. Oh, immediately. <laughs> I'm screwing this guy over. Yeah, dude. I need a good evil eye remedy, baby. The mystic who goes by the name Wesnoka set about locating the suspected thieves by performing some kind of ritual wherein a swarm of bees identified the culprits. Very wicker man. Yeah, honestly. Like, I like use, it though. Yeah, using bees, like that's awesome. Because it's also very, like, Dionysian, right? Yeah. Very Bakken to use bees because bees give us honey and honey gives us mead. And mead allows us to reach better into the animalistic world. I think you're reaching there a little bit, but we'll roll with it. <laughs> the strange spell seemingly worked as the two women were covered by the unsettling insects and proceeded to walk through the town for a staggering two hours until they found the witch doctor's home. Upon entering the residence, the pair returned the stolen money and were freed from the bees by way of another ritual. That's amazing that they knew that the witch doctor was causing the bees to follow them all over the place and like went to him and just like, here's the money. Here's all the money. Like, that they were able to make those connections is wild. There's probably one guy in town yeah. who's powerful enough to do this, and they were right. like, shit, it's Steve. Yeah. yeah. We gotta, oh, they yeah. caught us. 
The Hikaras. Hikaras. He knows. He's too powerful. The B-Man. This is a actually crazy story. Reflecting on his successful bust by way of bees, the supernatural crime fighter explained that, quote, this is the work that I inherited from my father. It took me only three days to locate these two ladies who had stolen from Salome. I think I got his his evil, or maybe not even evil, right? I mean, this guy sounds like he's a, a do-gooder, Yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm thinking like the apiary, right? <laughs> Are you giving, that's the nickname? That's his nickname. The apiary. It depends if he's always using bees. Maybe his thing is just bees, <laughs> but that could only just be like the one-time thing. Just, uh, yeah, he's he's just he's mixing it up all the time. Like sometimes yeah. you get bees, sometimes you get ants, sometimes you know you get a rhinoceros. There's a herd of zebras that run you down. You know, you never <laughs> yeah. know what's going to happen. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> I don't know which one I would rather have: the bees or the or the herd of zebras. They both sound bad. <laughs> Wasunga subsequently turned the thieves over to authorities who charged the pair for the heist gone horribly wrong. This dude's Batman. This dude's literally Batman. Doesn't hurt them seriously, right? Yeah. And and then hands them over to the police? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I love this witch doctor, dude. What a he's a minch. For her part, Salome expressed relief at recovering the money, though one imagines that a portion of the funds were turned over to the witch doctor as payment for a job well done. <laughs> she had to pay him the full amount? No, no, he, he's just saying he probably got a cut of oh, the money. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, you get a finder's fee for sure. 100%. He gets 20%. 20 percent i was gonna Easy. say 10 i was gonna say 10 but yeah 20 percent whatever Finder's fee i feel like is usually 20 percent. no you're totally off i don't think so you haven't right. found anything it's i a 10% only find fee. things you have you don't find anything Go. strangely enough this is not the first time that a sorcerer in kenya has utilized a swarm of bees to solve a case as an eerily similar incident occurred last november following the theft of a man's cow why are we not using swarms of bees more often, Paul? Apparently, we need to tell our cops here in the States to unleash the bees. I uh, Listen, Doc. Or, not Doc. <laughs> listen, <laughs> Copper. I got, a great, I got a great idea. Beehives. Do you get to call a witch bees doctor Doc? N- I think you can call him Doc for sure. Yeah. Uh, like, there because there was Papa Doc which I believe practiced a lot of voodoo and stuff in Liberia in the 80s. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. Oh, dude, he was making like concoctions up with gunpowder and cocaine and having child soldiers snort that before they went into battle to protect them. That is an insane thing to do. That is the most 80s thing, too. Isn't that so 80s? It's re- that's a really 80s story. Well, Chris, I have no good segue for child soldiers snorting <laughs> gunpowder and cocaine. So let's just jump into housekeeping. <laughs> you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash coast to coast PM and sign up for as little as $2 a month to get somewhere between two to three to four bonus episodes every month, depending on our schedules. Uh, You could also get a special coaster while supplies last. I made them myself. They're engraved 
um, with Coast to Coast PM on them. If you send us a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts with your address, it could be before or now or later. Um, it's kind of a first come first serve thing, but you will be able to get a coaster. And also, it doesn't have to be Apple. I mean, it can be anywhere you leave a comment. If you leave a comment on Reddit and people like it, send it to us. Actually, that's a great point. Recommend us to other people on Reddit, send it to us, and then we will send you a free coaster. It's like a yeah. nice slate coaster, too. Yeah, they are very nice. I was they're really they're really cool. With... I'm pretty good at this. I was shocked when Paul sent me the first <laughs> couple, and I was like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, you said this. So uh, we, we've gotten a couple emails already. They are finished now, so I'm going to get them in the mail. So they, they are coming, um, so do expect them. But yeah. I feel like it's like a fun thing. It is going to be like a wall supplies last, though, so get them in soon. The other thing, we got a Reddit, Coast to Coast PM on Reddit. We have an email, c2cpm at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on the email. Chris is on the Reddit. I think that's everything. Am I missing anything? There's a Twitter, but it's just mostly me complaining about how I I hate everyone in politics. And go. Oh, yeah. So if you want to see Chris complain about things, go to Twitter. Um, but besides that, I think we're ready to start the main part of the show, Chris. Ghost to ghost, ghost to ghost, ghost to ghost. So I know that we do have a lot of new listeners since we lasted to ghost to ghost. So as a refresher, this is an annual thing that's still running on coast where it's only ghost stories on Halloween. So it's all caller ghost stories, which is really awesome. And this was 2007. Open lines, baby. Yeah. Open lines. This was 2007. So Art had already ceded the throne to George Norrie, but he would come back to run Ghost to Ghost because it was such his thing. And, uh, George, I've listened to like one George Ghost to Ghost, and it just does not have the juice that Art has. Well, because the way that they do it now is Art would do Open Lines Ghost, right? Mm -hmm. And today's George Nori, you have to email in your ghost story, and then they'll call you if you're selected. So right. it's a very different vibe. It's There's right. not as much chaos. Right. Yeah, dude. And, and here's the thing, though. Art was a conductor of chaos. Yeah. Like, he was the maestro in front of... 20 million insane instrument players, dude. And he just wielded the podium like an expert. Yeah, he did. Speaking of wielding the podium, Chris, let's get to Art's intro because this is very different from Modern Coast. So I just want to get a little, little taste of our boy Art, R.I.P. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Across this great globe of ours, all 25 time zones, whatever it is, prolifically covered by this program, Ghost to Ghost AM. Good morning. I'm Art Bell, filling in for George Norrie on this evening, this ghostly evening. And we're going to do something a little different this year. We're going to do unscreened Ghost to Ghost Calls. So he's he's already getting us ready. It's going to be chaos, baby. <laughs> yeah, not only is it open line ghost to ghost, it's completely unscreened. Because at this point, George Norrie had already instituted call screeners. Right. It's no longer right. Art Bell in his home studio running the show. He, George has people managing right. this crap. 
I can't believe though that Art did it all himself for so long. Like for that really is long. that's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, for a really long time it was just running the show, dude. He's great. He's great. All, all right, right, dude. Yeah, come on. Let's all go. Right. Enough, go story. enough pitter patter, dude. Give me the juice. All right. So we're going to start off with someone who emailed in a story about their grandfather. Let's begin with something Kathy sent in from Springfield, Illinois. Art, let me preface this by saying my grandfather and I had always been very close. I know he would never have let any harm come to me in any way. My grandfather passed away in February of 1978. He had a heart attack in the bathroom of his home at about 3 in the morning. My grandmother was home. About three weeks later, I was reading on the bed in the spare bedroom. Coming out of the wall was what looked like my grandfather. He was transparent. You could see right through him, but he still had form. Words can never express how horrible he looked. He looked like he had dug his own way out of the grave. He had on a pinstripe suit the one he was buried in. He had what appeared to be Spanish moss dripping from him. I live in Springfield, Illinois. Believe me, we don't have Spanish moss around here. I began to scream and get off the bed to run when he suddenly disappeared. Now, I didn't tell anybody because I was afraid people think I'd cr- I was crazy. This would be the end of the story, but 20 years ago, I found out my son had seen the same identical apparition As close as we can estimate it, it was about three months later, and in the front bedroom of our house, other family members have seen dark forms standing over the bathroom sink doors and lights that turn on and off, and all this for no apparent reason. We're now 58 and 40, respectively, and we'll never forget the sight. Was it a ghost? A demon? I'll never know, but I know we saw it. I believe this will be the last time I juice up art, dude, but nobody can read a letter <laughs> like him. You just yeah. captivated the whole time. Yeah. He had such a great radio voice. It's hard to beat, man. And he's yeah. really good at reading, you know, listeners, faxes and emails. It's yeah. great. It's great. Now, what a good story. The idea of someone clawing their way out of the ground and then showing up in front of you covered in dirt and stuff is very scary. I don't like that thought. No, that's not good, dude. Very like poltergeist vibes. Yeah, very spooky. Very spooky. And the Spanish moss as well, which, you know, I feel like is a little flair from, uh, you know, Savannah, right? A lot of Savannah ghosts, I feel like, are covered in Spanish moss. Here in South Carolina everything's covered in spanish moss Mm -hmm. and spanish i i I personally love spanish moss but it can be super creepy especially when you start getting into the fall and winter and leaves start falling and it's just the spanish moss hanging from dead trees it's kind of wild well, I told you I would keep it a little lighter, Chris. So let's get to a light one about a guy's cat that passed away. I was going to say, you tricked me a little bit because I was like, <laughs> oh, a grandfather story. That's nice. Oh, this is creepy, Grandpa. <laughs> Don't like that. This one's nicer. This one's nicer. Okay. All right. I've got a cat story, cat ghost story. All right. About a cat that uh, passed away. Yes, sir. And basically said goodbye with uh, motion sensor light. 
of the porch, you know, on the porch. When I was yes, oh, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, it was crazy because it freaked me out in the beginning that the motion sensor was going off and there was no one around. But well, it, sometimes uh, insects can set them off, you know. Oh, no, this, was, this wasn't set that sensitive. Like okay. it had to be a person walking by or, or a car. But I think this was a way of the cat saying goodbye and I'm okay because it had been hit by a car the day before. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't that light, Paul. I don't know what your definition of light is. Well, it was it... a lighter ghost. It wasn't a okay. scary ghost. You're right. Yeah, it was a it was kind of like a nice the cat saying that you've been a good owner. Thank you for taking care of me. I'm yeah. heading off to cat heaven. Yeah, or yeah, or the cat is walking out of the house to go to cat heaven and then triggered it. I don't really know. Right. Yeah. But okay. I like that I thought. Yeah, that was nice. It's nice. Well, we it's established right. on our last episode that actually that was a patron's episode. So if you're not a patron, then you don't know what I'm talking about, but just go become one and then you'll understand. But that people can visit from the afterlife, right? Right. You think animals visit you from the afterlife like humans do? It's a very interesting idea. I don't know. I would imagine that you would have to have a very strong bond with this animal for it to stick around. Do you get to hang out with your pets when you die? I hope so. I got my little Bud Riker, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I hope. Best dog I've ever owned. Yeah. I better see him when I die. I always think about that. A little ticked off. (laughs) Really mad. Yeah. If he's not there. Hopefully he's been, you know, maybe if I don't see him, he's been reincarnated as a higher being because I love him that much. And he's that good of a dog. Yeah. He deserves to be placed higher in the spiritual realm than he currently is. What do you think's higher? Like a dolphin? Do you think he becomes a dolphin? I would love to see him become a human. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he'd be a good human. I would imagine dogs are are relatively close on the human hierarchy when it comes to uh, spiritual levels of being. They do have very similar social behaviors, which is why we get along with them so well. Um, right. their, their pack behaviors are actually very close to how humans interact with each other. Which is why they've been with us since like the foundations of humanity. Two peas in a pod, Chris. Two peas in Always, a pod. Always, dude. And you know what else is two peas in a pod, Chris? What? Ghost stories and creepy organs. So let's get to one that has a creepy organ in it. My name is Candy, and I'm calling from Sacramento. Yes, Candy. Well, my story is a pretty scary one. I haven't told many people this throughout my lifetime. I'm 36 now. Mm-hmm. And, and I was in the sixth grade, and the family was um, on vacation and um, at home. I I didn't go with them wherever they went to. I can't remember that now. Uh, Grandpa stayed with me, and he was in the living room, and I was coloring at the dining room table. Mm -hmm. And I had one of these old um, organs in my room, And down the hallway, I could hear this music coming from the organ, and I knew I didn't leave it on, and it didn't play by itself. Right. And it was was beautiful yet eerie, and I kept coloring, and I thought, well, it's going to end 
anytime soon, but it kept going. And I kept more curious about it. So when I went down the hallway, there was this chill in the air. And Grandpa had told me a couple of months previously that if I were to experience anything scary, just to call on the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. and everything would be all right. And I was getting scared or by the moment I kept walking up the hallway to my room and I called on the name of Jesus, but it didn't go away. Did you get into the room? I got so close to the doorway that the music was blasting my ears. And what happened was I, I didn't know what to do, and I, and I didn't want to go back and get Grandpa because I thought I could handle this by myself. Okay, so what finally happened? Uh, did you did it just stop or what? No, it, I, when I turned into the doorway real fast, like there was this thing that I can't describe to anybody, but I have drawn pictures of it to. Uh, okay, well, try. You're going to have to give it a try. This thing, um, yes, non-human thing. I guess if it was human, you wouldn't say thing, would you? No, it was unearthly. I I have no de- formal description of how to put into words what it looked like, but it was it was red. Uh, oh. And it it was glowing. Oh. And it 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 must have been a demon that I saw. Did it have a Did it have a form? Uh, a body, arms, legs, that kind of thing, or. Any appendages at all? Uh, yes, and it, it was using its its hand-like fingers on my organ player. Yikes. And it looked straight at me with yellow eyes. Yellow eyes. This woman is actually distressed telling She's, this story. She sounds upset. And it's like been 40 years at yeah. least. This, I mean that it's a, it's an it's a it's a memory like that has stuck in her brain. Like, do you remember that? What was the uh, feelings Pixar movie? You know, the it's a core memory for her. Yeah, um, Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. So this is a core memory, dude. That is actually super duper creepy. My first thought is like, well, any. I feel like any kind of person who would learn how to play the organ is or is kind of a madman anyways. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever looked at an organ with all the gears and levers and pulls and yeah. all that stuff, it's and then it's a piano. And then it's a piano, which is already an incredibly difficult instrument to learn, right? So you already got to be a little crazy to learn how to play the organ. And I also thought she's like, and creepy music was coming down. I've never not heard an organ be creepy. I mean, it could be Easter Sunday and they're like, the Jesus is Lord is coming and we're happy. Yay. And I'm like, this is the creepiest music I've ever heard in my life. I'm also curious. Why does this child have an organ in her room? So there are, you're thinking of the giant church organs with all the, the, stacks are there baby organs there are much much smaller organs in fact paul i'm actually a little shocked 
by this because the doors famously have an organist. They do indeed. I've never actually seen a video of him playing it, though. I just assumed they walked around with the giant church organ. Is that not it's true? A, no, it's it, it is bigger than a piano. But I mean, you know, and especially by the time the 70s or 80s roll around, they can kind of do some electronics with organs that make yeah. them much smaller than typical. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know. Uh, I would also be shaking if I saw a demon when I was a small child that was yeah. glowing red in my room. Though also, that, for me, that's one of those things that does feel directionally right because, yeah, a demon would definitely play the organ. A demon plays <laughs> the organ and a demon plays the fiddle. You know, what it reminded me of Insidious, which came yeah. out much later after this. But the bad demon in Insidious is like super red and plays music on a vinyl record player in his little hellscape area right. where he takes the children. So it's kind of a, a similar vibe. Maybe whoever wrote Insidious listened to this ghost to ghost. Probably, probably. I was going to say the only thing probably more terrifying than a record player is a phonograph player with one of those big old amplifying horns yep. yep and it's just like scratching the whole time that's the only thing that i can think of more terrifying than a vinyl player as far as audio playing music yeah on uh i believe it's showtime's penny dreadful there's a lot of uh phonograph players in that yeah. it's very scary very scary. very scary very very shout scary. out for spooky season if you haven't watched that season one's fantastic very spooky i haven't watched it i might have to check it oh, out it's, good. it's on netflix it's good man okay. it's good it's one of my favorite horror tv shows next up chris we have a man who saw some civil war era ghosts uh, my name's chris i live in virginia yes chris when I was a child, I was staying over at my aunt's house who had a furnished basement. Uh, it was middle of the night, about two in the morning. I hadn't slept yet, and I made sure to double check and make sure I hadn't slept in this situation. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyway, while I was sitting there attempting to go to sleep, a lady appeared. This, you have to understand that the area that I was at also used to be a battlefield for the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So this lady appears in a beautiful gown, and a gentleman came up to her. These were, these were full-bodied apparitions, by the way. Yeah, I was going to ask. Uh, completely, uh, completely, completely visible. Almost solid. Almost solid. All right. Yes. I mean, they were very close to it. Uh-huh. Anyway, he was wearing a blue uniform. So obviously, I think we have an idea of what side he was on. Yes. And they began, they embraced, and they were having, they seemed, to be, seemed to be having a romantic interlude, I'd have to call it. Wow. All of a sudden, a gentleman in gray appeared in a tattered, you know, tattered gray beat-down uniform. Right. With bayonet in hand. <laughs> he ran up on the gentleman in blue and started sticking him. My God. Over and over, repeatedly gutting this gentleman with the bayonet. And when I say gutting, I mean... And Tessa was hanging off the end of the bayonet kind of guy. Oh. It was quite nasty. A few moments of that sticking him, and she's, forgive the term, freaking out. Mm -hmm. Understandably, poof, vanish. So, Paul, this really seems more of one of the things that we talk about, that it's the energy of the moment that gets captured 
in the space time right yeah a residual haunting if you will right 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 these these two have probably moved on Mm -hmm. but the trauma of the event lingers yeah very much so Uh, a few notes on this though number one i think this guy got to see ghost porn because what he was describing with a romantic interlude sounds like they were banging it out what he said they were having a romantic interlude Oh, so he's like out in the field making love. I think they were hooking up, dude. That's what that says to me. Ghost porn. So that's a very interesting little note, Paul, because one of the people that we always bring up when we're talking about like esoteric and occult is Aleister Crowley and his use of sex and masturbation and uh-huh. and like orgasmic levels to conduct magic so i wonder if like them being in a heightened state especially sexually allows them to enter a realm that it is easier to penetrate literally literally penetrate the the realm where this trauma happens that also raises an interesting question i feel like about residual hauntings because Mm -hmm. we do talk about you know someone gets murdered or strangled or something right and then that energy is somehow like burned into that space right and people can then experience it when they visit later now we only hear about it with like negative events though so Mm -hmm. but if we are thinking of it as these like moments of heightened emotion that can transfer across space and time why couldn't that happen with positive emotions where if someone were to be having you know a good time with their partner will say could that instill itself on a location if someone were to like get married in a specific spot could that instill itself why don't we ever have those ghost stories i think we do i think we do but those aren't the stories we tell on halloween they're not the fun ones, so they don't get told yeah. as much. Yeah. yeah, nobody wants to tell the story about I saw this wonderful ghost wedding. That sounds like, so nice, though. It does sound nice, but that's not the story you tell on Halloween. All right. You tell about the uh, Confederate soldier <laughs> bayoneting the Union soldier. Who was hooked how, up with his wife. <laughs> yeah, and the intestines falling out and how terrifying it is you're in the middle of a field that, like, that gets you in the Halloween spirit, dude. Not like, oh, I witnessed ghost love and it was very romantic and it made me realize that love can last forever. No, but and I'm not specifically talking about why no one's calling in with those stories. I just feel like generally you don't hear those stories. I think if we talk to like Evelyn Paglini or somebody like that, I think they would have plenty of those stories for us. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to some ghost hunters. We'll bring them on. We yeah. need to we need to grill them, see what's really happening. Yeah, real grilling. But I think that's also I think I think you're totally right, Paul. I think there is something though that deep negative emotions probably do attach themselves to the space time, which is you know, the environment in which it happens much more readily than positive emotions because the, the the positivity almost kind of goes with you 
right? And the thing about the negative, the negativity is that there's typically death involved, which then I think automatically places you in a spot in time with that death. The death creates the tear in space-time right. as you're right. being transported to the other realm. Right. right. I think right. we have our lore. Yeah, dude. I think I think we may be onto something there. We're gonna workshop that as we move into our next uh story, Chris. This is another one that Art reads out about a haunted house. There's a house here in North Central Illinois known to the locals simply as the Penfield Place. The house's eerie legacy began back around the turn of the century when a kitchen fire took the lives of two small children and a servant. Next, an undertaker took up residence, whose wife fell headlong down the main staircase there, breaking her back and her neck, killing her instantly. The funeral director's body was discovered a few months later in his own backyard, swaying from the branches of a maple tree where he had hanged himself in despair. Then the real tragedy commenced. A newlywed couple by the name of Penfield bought the place, moved in, and one night, not long after, the young bride, Mara Penfield, went missing. The jealous husband was always suspected in her disappearance, but nothing ever came of it, not until a decade later in the 1940s, when 17-year-old Mara Penfield was finally found again. Her sad remains were unearthed by some workmen in the backyard of her former home, buried beneath that infamous maple. She'd been stabbed, rolled up inside an oriental carpet, appendages dismembered and removed to only God and the killer knows where. Her missing limbs were never found. After that, the house went really bad. Future tenants would experience a frightening presence there, one which loomed over them as they slept and circled the bed, sometimes even touching their extremities inquisitively. A soft voice could be heard whispering, Am I dead? Am I dead? And once an abomination was witnessed by a group of New Year's Eve revelers, a hideous shape crawling across the second-floor stair landing in the darkness as if searching blind for something. Man, dude, that that story did a lot of work for our theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're well, talking. That's some trauma right there. Yeah. Not only are you murdered, but you're dismembered. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is something like there is something to when you die, you don't immediately die. Things are still somewhat processing, right? DMT and other chemicals and hormones are still dropping in your body. And so I imagine that if that process is traumatized in some way, as in very soon after you're you're killed, you're then chopped up or whatever, that if we do have a soul, if we do have, you know, a a, a body temporal presence, that whatever is whatever is happening in that process gets retarded right it's stopped it's 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 no longer able to to go on and here we got where are we at this is where a a being does remain on earth 
right? We're not just dealing with a, what did you call it? A residual haunting. Yeah, we're not dealing with a residual haunting here. We're dealing with a spirit that cannot cross over because it's been traumatized in such a way and and degraded in such a way. Which I think goes back to Patreon 14 with Marianne Winkowski, where she was talking about how if you don't leave within 72 hours, the light goes out right. and you can't escape. And it, it, I could very well see it being a situation, too, of like you are under such duress and such horror at seeing what's being done to you that mm-hmm. you don't leave and then you're just stuck. Right. You know? So yeah. shout out for the Patreon, $2 a month. Patreon.com slash Coast Coast PM. That was a terrifying one. I didn't like that one. The, the people hanging from trees, chopped up bodies. But I did think it was interesting also that they specifically bring up the case of the New Year's Eve revelers. Yeah. Because again, we're dealing with alcohol. We're dealing mm-hmm. with celebration. And I think, I don't know if it's cultural or if it is truly now a part of the manifestation of the earth sphere right but these dates these periods of time do hold i think now very heavy significance in our ability to if we can enter the spiritual realm or not i think that would make sense and i do like that a lot i do like that a lot well chris you know, it would not be a Halloween ghost ghost without a Ouija story. <laughs> I, You know what, dude? I didn't even think, I didn't even consider you <laughs> having one, but let's do it, baby. Come on. You know, dude, my favorite part of Spooktober is how much we get to talk about the Ouija board. I, I, know, I know. <laughs> um, This happened many, many years ago, and I um, hate to say it, but a friend of mine and I were using a Ouija board, <laughs> and I have since learned not to use Ouija boards, but this was before I knew better. Yes. And um, we were talking to, you know, various spirits, and um, we eventually got an evil spirit that came on. So uh, we decided, okay, let's get rid of the evil spirit, and that was enough for the night. And it kind of freaked us out a little bit. And uh, the evil spirit was basically saying how she wanted to kill my friend, and she was going to get my friend, and all this kind of stuff. So um, before I left uh, my friend's apartment where we were doing the Ouija board, I told her, well, you know, I don't know much about this stuff, but I'll try and help you however way I can to, you know, prevent you from being killed. <laughs> so um, so I left her apartment to go home, and it was around 2 in the morning at that time. <clears throat> and I'd taken maybe about 10 steps out of her apartment, and, uh, you know, it was, it was pitch black. No one was up, completely quiet. And all of a sudden, I heard something. <laughs> it was like someone stood right next to me and screamed in my ear. Mm-hmm. And what it said was, don't help her, you jerk. Don't help her, you jerk. <laughs> so, of course, that totally freaked me out. So I ran back to my uh, friend's apartment, and I'm like, help, let me in. <laughs> sure. Um, so she calmed me down a little bit, and we kind of talked about it. And what she said was is that she was going to send her guardian angel home with me to kind of protect me, because now we thought this thing might be after me. So I kind of poo-pooed it. I was like, yeah, right, her guardian angel. But, you know, I figured, you know, why not? Because I didn't really know too much about it. And, didn't know if I believed or not, um, but it was getting late, so I eventually go back up to my car, and I'm starting to drive home, and I'm driving along on the freeway, and then all of a sudden, as I'm driving along, 
bam, right in the passenger seat of my car, this man appeared. <laughs> wow. Like fully formed, completely solid, you know, not like ghostly, uh, wearing jeans and a shirt. And he basically turned towards me, smiled, waved, and then disappeared. <laughs> and I was like, wow, the guardian angel really did follow me home. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, these are reasons why you don't screw around with Ouija boards. Uh, yeah. Because what happens is you open doors that you didn't expect to open and that you cannot close. Well, I realize that now. <laughs> and so I take it now if somebody presented you with a Ouija board and said, let's, uh, let's have some fun, you'd go the other way. Yeah, exactly. That's the perfect tale for why you don't work with Ouija boards, baby. Do you think that the ghost that she saw was actually her friend's guardian angel, or do you think it was the demon? Because my initial thought was like, that's the demon, Brio. Like, for no, real. No, I my immediate thought was that it was the guardian angel. Just like giving, giving her a wink? Yeah, giving her like a little, you're good now. You're fine. Yeah. You're home. You're going to be okay. But, you know, like Art said, when you start messing with doors into the other realm, you don't know what you're going to get. I do sometimes wonder with the Ouija board, is the reason why it is so wrapped up in the discussions of the paranormal because of the movie The Exorcist? Because that's how the girl gets possessed in The Exorcist is she's playing oh, with a Ouija board. I so, didn't even remember that. Yeah, it's like it's mentioned at the beginning I, of the movie. I just, I mean, that could have done something, you know, kind of like, uh, it could have been like a Stranger Things in D&D or... Yeah, kick or it off. The, yeah, the, the what was it, the Player's Gambit or whatever, Queen's Gambit and chess, you know what I mean? But like, I think now it's beyond that, yeah. right? It's just like a part of the popular lore. And I think even in 2007, it would have been that way. It's just a... It's an esoteric thing. Yeah. Right? Like, it's specifically called a spirit board. Which is such a great name. That's great branding. Yeah. It really so, is. Yeah. So, I, I, don't, I don't know if it has anything to do necessarily with The Exorcist. But, yeah. I, again, I'm just, I'm just thinking kind of, you know, I'm just kind of spitballing this right now. But, also, let's just say if this is purely psychological, mm -hmm. right? This, the, the, you know, we're not actually having spirits attached to us you're you're in this mental state of expecting these things mm -hmm. and so if you know maybe she just heard somebody's tv or radio or something like that right but she's not thinking tv or radio she's thinking spirits i'm talking to spirits we've been talking to spirits for the last couple hours using a Ouija board, you're just like already in a heightened state. And so, it, 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 and I can see that also working for, it's actually a ghost. It is actually a bad thing trying to attach itself to you. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think it's also kind of an interesting idea of the state that people put themselves in when they're messing with mm -hmm. a Ouija board, mm -hmm. because you're almost in like a transcendental meditation, you know? Absolutely. You, the lights are down, you lit some candles, everyone's quiet, you're hyper-focused on every single, like, little twitch of the planchette, you know? I, I think that's that's an interesting idea, man, of, like, what we do to ourselves when we play with the Ouija board. And it's also a communal experience, yeah. which, especially in the West, 
we do not have a lot of communal experiences left. Yeah. So when we're in this kind of meditative state with a bunch of other people who are also in a meditative state, I can definitely see weird things happening, whether they are actually physically happening to you or it's just all in our head. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Greeks got off on this stuff. You know what I mean? They would like have weird sounds coming out of the statue and the whole temple is full of smoke and the darkness and the flames flickering off the, you know, the side of the marble walls and the statues are all covered in elegant gowns and paintings and like everyone is in some kind of like ecstasy generated by you know mushrooms or alcohol or whatever it is that they're taking methane sometimes and like you start adding all this a whole group of people they're dancing they're 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 ritualizing like weird stuff's gonna happen and again is it actually happening doesn't matter if it's actually happening you believe it's happening which is why we need to build more churches on top of methane veins, because that'll really turn it up, dude. Let's get that, that going. Get step it up, baby. I mean, that's what all the uh, the the oracles, the, yeah, the the oracles of Delphi were using methane gas to have their crazy visions. Dude, I want to be in a church with a priest talking about the blood of Jesus while I'm high on methane. That sounds like a crazy time. Oh, it's got to be wild. And again, you add the like <laughs> ritualistic, the chanting, the, yeah. the dancing. Like, and again, that's something that we have taken out of our Protestant religion is how important dancing and music is to get us to a higher level to a level into which we can see the spirits and i imagine that it's actually a lot like sex right the dancing ritual brings you to a point right your heart's racing faster blood's throwing through your veins going up into your brain Everybody else in the the temple or out in the field or whatever it is is dancing around with you. You're you're messed up on something. I mean, that's got to be incredible. And like, if there is spirituality, if there is an ability for for humans to to access that realm and control it and channel it, it has to be in these states. Yeah, yeah. Well. There's one more clip along with the Ouija experience, Chris, that I needed to call out because I think I mentioned this last time. Art constantly brings up the fact that he had a Ouija experience and never mentions what it is. And, and you know, it was funny. I saw this asked on, I, I imagine a lot of the Art Bell heads are yeah. listening to a lot of the old Ghost to Ghosts and stuff. But somebody yeah. brought this up on the subreddit the other oh, day. Oh, did they? Yeah, they were like, Art always mentions about his terrible Ouija experience, but I can't find any like reference or story on what actually happens. Oh, he never mentions it. He never he says ne what happens. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So they yeah. never ever. 
No, because he mentioned it in 1995. This is 2007. He mentions it again. If I recall correctly, he mentioned it on Midnight in the Desert in 2015 and still didn't say what the hell it was. Wow. So if he has ever mentioned it, c2cpmpod at gmail.com. I have never heard it. I've only heard him tease it like this. We'll do a whole episode on it. Oh, my God. I I wish I knew what this was. But let's let's jump into the clip because this is what he does every damn year, Chris. It drives me crazy. It's pretty widely known that years ago I did use a Ouija board. I won't tell the story. It scared me so, so badly. What occurred scared me so badly. Maybe one day I'll tell the story. Don't use a Ouija board. Don't screw around with a Ouija board. That really is a lesson that you ought not have to learn the hard way. I'm doing it, Art. I'm not messing with it. Promise. I, you know why I think I want to mess with the Ouija board so badly? Because I feel like it's the lowest lift way of having an experience. Yeah. I don't have to do a lot of work for it. Like listening to Evelyn Paglini, I was, I've been listening to her a lot lately to get an episode ready. And there's just so much work in her rituals. And I'm like, I love that. And I love the, what she does, but I don't want to do that much work. All right, Paul, I'll tell you what, you get a good Ouija board, not the Fisher Price Ouija board. You get a good solid Ouija board. My wife is shaking her head. No, don't. she already knows where I'm going with this. And we will, we'll do our first recorded coast to coast PM where me and you are sitting with the Ouija board and we'll film it all, dude. We'll do like a two hour, like do every, we'll look into it, study it, do everything we have been told and have learned from coast to coast and let's do a serious ouija board experiment you'll do it with me i will i will do it with you we will do now i'll have some some qualifications yeah that's fair there will be positive (laughs) symbols of religious importune from all over the world around me (laughs) And we are starting with ancestors, okay? But I'll play with it, dude. I'll see. Let's go. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm immediately going on eBay after we record and buying a Ouija board. Like a real one. Yeah, dude. And I'm telling you, next time we're together, let's do a full-on Ouija experiment. I mean, we late at night, 3 a.m. witching hour. I mean, like, let's go above and beyond... We'll listen to a couple more Evelyn Paglinis, take mm-hmm. some notes. Yeah. And let's do this thing for real. Light some candles. We imagine the white light enveloping yes. us. Yes. So we're safe and protected. Yes. And then we just have like crosses and stars of David and oh, Buddhas. Oh, the, yeah, Buddhas. I'm going to have my Krishna like yeah. close by, Very my safe. Dionysus. <laughs> yeah, dude. We're going to be okay, I think. But yeah, let's go full blast. Ouija board experiment and we'll do it for the coaster knots, baby. Dude, I'm so jazzed about this and I, I will hold you to it. This is very exciting. I'm going to find us a really sick Ouija board. Well, Chris, are you ready for our last ghost story of the night? Oh, I, I'm so excited. Let's go. This one involves a ghost child. It's a bit long, but it's good. So just buckle in and just let it flow over you. In 1958, I was 10 years old. Uh, it was a family tradition that we would meet at my grandmother's house on Easter Sunday. <clears throat> my mother had gone up on Friday, and my father was an Atlanta City policeman, a uh, big man, 
Never saw him afraid of anything in his life. Mm-hmm. He, he picked me up, and we headed for a small town in Tennessee. On the way up, all, all my life, and my brothers and sisters, had, we'd passed this house that had an iron gate, and we called it the haunted house. My dad's, uh, I stopped. I said, Dad, can we stop and look? And we didn't have anything to do, and he wasn't too eager to get to my grandparents' house too early. So we got out and went in. Uh, Dad walked up on the front porch, and I started up a flight of stairs inside. And, you know, like a, a kid with a little bravado, I ran right to the top of the steps. As soon as I got to the top of the steps, there was about a three-year-old girl standing looking at me. A little blonde-haired girl, nothing extraordinary about her. And I said, Dad, there's there's a girl up here. My dad thought maybe some squatters were in the house. And he ran up the steps behind me. And as soon as the little girl saw my dad, she just went straight across the hall into a bedroom and slammed the door. <laughs> my dad walked up to the bedroom door. My, my dad was a big man. He was not afraid of anything. He pushed the door. The door pushed him back so hard he almost fell down. That made my dad mad. He got up and gave the door the boot. The door flew off the hinges, and we went in the room. It was about an 11 by 11 bedroom, two windows going outside, and my dad went over to them and couldn't open either one. There was a closet in the uh, room. My dad opened the closet, and the closet was just four walls, uh, wood panel solid, my dad knocked on everything in the room. He knocked all over the floor, and we found nothing. So my dad and I went back outside, and my mother was related to the sheriff in a small town right where we were. And my dad went down there. He thought that people were squatting there, and, and it also alarmed him that the, the little girl might be in some kind of trouble. Sure. My dad told the officer there what had just taken place. And the officer went into the chief's office, and the chief was related to my mother. And the chief came out and called my dad and I into another office. And he opened a file cabinet, and he pulled out a file. And the, the file was a newspaper article. That house had belonged to a doctor that the uh, copper company had brought in there to treat their um, miners. Uh, the doctor was in Atlanta. The doctor's wife evidently had a boyfriend. And the doctor came back to his home. His maid told him that his wife wasn't there, that she was downtown. He went downtown. He shot the lover. He shot the mother. Went back to the house and shot the little girl and shot himself. Oh, my God. Dude, that's a ghost story, though. That's a ghost story, dude. That's terrifying that's a ghost story the worst stories in the world when it comes to ghost stories is when you have the story you go to the police and they're like oh you mean this little girl (laughs) and they pull out the file and it lines up perfectly i hate those stories so much those are my favorite stories those are the best ones those are the ones that terrify me the most because it's like and again the the way he's telling the story is just deadpan yeah like there no real inflection it's just this is what happened 
He's just a good old boy from Tennessee, dude. We both know plenty of them. And I believe them when they tell me they see a ghost. Yeah, dude. Every time. Every time. I don't second guess it, dude. Because those are the people that don't want to see them. No, they're not messing. And they don't want the attention either. They're not just pulling your leg. This is like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, dude. Like. The only reason his dad, the police officer, goes to the sheriff is because he still thinks these are real people. Yeah. Not because he thinks they're ghosts. And then you find out the little girl was dead the whole time. Oh, my God, dude. No, I hate that so much. That's Uh, terrifying. That was my favorite one from the whole show. But again, residual haunting. Yep. Yep. Residual haunting. What a terrible, terrible experience. And again... The trauma of that whole event definitely would be attached to the space-time of the environment in which it happens. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. I also feel like the there's almost like this like combination of emotions from victim and perpetrator that I feel like can also cause this like rip or residual haunting. Where if it is a father murdering their own child that feels like it's almost like times four what the event would have been if it was a random stranger like there's so much more trauma associated with the connection between the victim and the the uh the assailant that i think makes it more likely that a a haunting would be likely to happen so i buy it it's like anti-edible you know anti-freudian like it's supposed to work the other way around right yeah yeah like the child is supposed to kill the parents mm-hmm. in it's, theory and it theory. goes against like every single bone in your body as a human for that right. to happen it's like right. so wrong yeah. and evil that you're yeah. just like yeah that makes sense there's a ghost there like yeah, i just yeah, i don't even question yeah. that yeah right that's, that's exactly right it's like yeah it's a ghost <laughs> that's, that's if there's anything that causes a ghost that causes a ghost that, that's a ghost yep so, well, that was 2007's Ghost to Ghost, Chris, on a scale of one to five ghost children, which are the scariest ghosts. We all know that. What do you give 2007? Five ghost children, dude. I'm getting it full spook on this one. That was great. <laughs> and you know what? It's because it's 2007 and art is not there all the time. Yeah. That I feel like people are like, I really got to show out. Yeah. And they showed out, dude. Those were all good stories. No, I, I agree, man. I'm also going to give it five ghost children because I feel like not only did the callers have good energy, but I think Art also had good energy because oh. you can tell when he comes back on air for like his like once a month spot, he, his energy is so strong because you yeah. can tell how much he loves doing this. Mm-hmm. He loved he, it, dude. He's filled up, dude. Yeah. Which, which could possibly give him some a little bit more impact to see into the spiritual realm do you think our bell is has a residual haunting we'll have to go out to the uh the southwest and find out huh you want to go out to the oh my god dude what if we visited the high desert what if we do the ouija board there oh my god and try to talk to art so, okay, okay. So Art lived in Pahrump, Nevada. It's close to Vegas. We could take a Vegas trip, hop over, try and talk to Art Bell. Oh, 
He had a compound, dude. He had a whole compound. Boom. Oh my god. Okay. That's the app, dude. That's the app. Oh my god. All right. That's too much. Uh, if you want to fund this episode, if you want to make this happen, we can't do it on our own. Patreon.com slash coast coast PM. Get 14 bonus episodes right now and help us get to Pahrump, Nevada to Ouija board our bell. Dear God, this is the best idea we've ever had outside of doing this podcast. <laughs> well, Chris, I think that's going to be the show. You want to close this out? All spooky, all the time. Later.